Hello friends, my name is Micah Woods. I am the chief scientist at the Asian Turfgrass Center and I am today at the maintenance shop of Keia Golf Club in Fukuoka, Japan. I am here for the upcoming 50th KBC Augusta Golf Tournament and I think that this is an absolutely fascinating tournament it's more interesting than the average tournament. And the reason why I think it's more interesting than the average tournament, and since this is a show about grass, and since I'm a grass scientist, it, it's because of the grass here. This golf course has zoysia putting greens. Now, zoysia putting greens are not, not terribly uncommon in some parts of the world. There are a lot of courses in Japan that have zoysia greens. There are a lot of courses in Southeast Asia that have zoysia greens, and there are an increasing number of golf courses in the United States that have zoysia greens. But it is uncommon to have professional golf tournaments played on zoysia greens on the top level of the Japanese men's tour, the JGTO, the Japan Golf Tour Organization. For regular events through the year, this is the only one, the KBC Augusta tournament that I'm at this week, held at Kea Golf Club, is the only one that is held on Zoysia Greens. And it's really interesting. I will talk a little bit more about why this is so interesting. But um, on, on the ladies tour, the ladies golf in Japan is very popular, certainly at the professional level. And Kawana Golf Club hosts a tournament every year that... Uh, at least one course on the ladies tour also has zoysia greens. So it's, and then of course in Southeast Asia, it's quite common for tournaments to be held on, on zoysia greens, but here in Japan on the men's tour, this is the only one that's regularly held on zoysia greens. And I wrote a blog post about this that I am going to discuss or kind of give you some background information about. I will put a direct link to this blog post, which is called Tournament Golf on Zoysia Greens, I will put a direct link to this blog post in the show notes. I started off, uh, I started off in this blog post saying the 50th KBC Augusta Golf Tournament will be held at Kea Golf Club in Fukuoka next week. And I'm recording this on a Saturday because I want to be here to get some pre-tournament measurements uh, of things like clipping volume and uh, surface firmness and green speed and bobble test and that sort of thing. And I will record these data from before the first practice round all the way through to the final round of the tournament. So when I say next week, it, it is going to be the practice round start on Monday and the tournament starts on Thursday. And I think it's an especially interesting golf tournament because of the zoysia on the greens. It's cori grass on the greens, which is zoysia matrella. And zoysia matrella, a slightly different type, is used on tees and fairways here. And the roughs are zoysia japonica. It is common in Japan for tees, fairways, and roughs to be zoysia. Specifically, it's common for tees and fairways to be cori. It's common for rough to be Noshiba, which is Zoysia japonica, and it is common in Japan for greens to be creeping bent grass. The reason why greens are typically creeping bent grass is because the ball roll is smoother and truer 
on bank grass than it is on zoysia because zoysia is distinctive for having a very rigid or stiff leaf blade. If you check out my YouTube channel, I will get a video posted on my YouTube channel that shows and, and um, it doesn't only show, but it will provide a soundtrack, a soundtrack of the crunching noise that you can hear when a foot goes across, when you're just walking normally across a Cori putting green, you can hear a crunch underfoot that is atypical for other types of grasses. I don't hear that type of sound when I'm walking across a creeping bent grass green. I don't hear that type of sound when I'm walking across a ultra dwarf Bermuda grass or a Poa annua or a fine fescue green, but I do hear that sound when walking across a well-maintained zoysia green. And the reason for that is because the leaf blades are so stiff. And this creates all kinds of interesting things related to ball roll. Because the leaf blades are so stiff, it creates a situation where the golf ball itself can be influenced by the orientation of the leaves to a high degree. You'll sometimes hear, and in fact, I once thought that zoysia did not have much grain because the leaf blades look like they're growing upright and it seemed to me that zoysia greens didn't have so much grain. But then I started paying attention to it more and I realized that zoysia greens have quite a bit of grain and I measure that when I do the bobble test and if the ball goes down grain, it's not deviating by bouncing or by snaking or chattering very much. But when it goes into the grain, it's a totally different story. There's a lot more bobble, chatter, and snaking. And you see that when you putt. And one of the reasons why I like the bobble test so much is because it gives a score, a numerical score to the quality of the ball roll that is very similar to what golfers see as they are hitting their putt. So we end up with something that's correlated quite nicely with what golfers see. So back to Kea Golf Club and the Cori Greens. I put a beautiful drone picture in here at sunset of the 18th hole or the 18th green complex in the clubhouse and some of the first nine at Kea Golf Club looking out over, I think it's the Genkai Nada Sea. This is in Western Japan. And this photo is by Tak Miyamoto. And this is one of the many beautiful scenes that you will find here at Kea Golf Club. I mentioned that I will be especially interested this week in the green firmness, the soil volumetric water content, the stint meter measurement, which is the green speed, the bobble test scores, which are a measurement, a numerical number that, that obviously, <laughs> a numerical score for the quality of the ball roll, how smooth and true the ball rolls across the surface. And I'm also going to be looking at clipping volume from the greens. And I first made these measurements at this exact tournament with these greens in 2013. So it's now been 11 tournaments since then, except for the 2020 event, which was canceled because of the pandemic. 
Um, I, I think this will be my ninth tournament. I couldn't come to the 2021 tournament, but I was back here in 2022 and I'm here again in 2023. I put a photo, if you're watching this, uh, or if you go to the blog post, you will be able to see this photo of the measurement tools. Uh, there's a 500 gram clay hammer. A lot of people ask me about the tool that I typically use to measure the firmness of the greens and how much it weighs. This is the SDI golf course firmness tester, and it has a 500 gram missile that you drop through a tube and um, it measures the maximum deceleration in gravities and that is a lovely tool for measuring surface hardness or firmness i've got a tdr 350 and i use the three inch probes or the 7.5 centimeter depth probes that is what i use to measure the soil water content i use a stint meter to measure the green speed and also i assess the quality of the roll by measuring the bobble test at, at the same time that I am measuring the green speed. And then I have a meat thermometer or a cooking thermometer, a food thermometer that I put into the soil to a five centimeter depth and measure the soil temperature. I have an infrared thermometer that I use to measure the surface temperature. And I also have a Kestrel portable weather station that I use to measure the wind speed and the air temperature and the humidity and the dew point and that sort of thing at the time that I make these measurements. So I've got quite a time series of these data for this particular tournament. If many of you will have seen me use these same tools to measure at other locations, but it becomes really valuable for at this particular property to be able to take these measurements and then look at what work was done to create the conditions. And we keep trying to have more con uh, consistent playing conditions both for the members and for the tournament and I work closely with the golf course superintendent and assistant general manager here Andrew McDaniel who has been on the show before and he may join later in the week to discuss some of the maintenance work that's been done this year and what's being done this week by him and the team here at Kea Golf Club. So I, I really think it's interesting to measure these things on zoysia greens or cori greens because when we go measure bent grass greens, Bermuda grass greens, and zoysia greens, which we can do in Japan. In fact, I did that last month. I went from the Tokyo area to the Osaka area to here in Fukuoka and I visited 19 different properties and measured one green at each and it came to I believe we had six bent grass greens six Bermuda grass greens and seven cori greens zoysia greens and the of course the bent grass on average was the fastest and the zoysia on average was the slowest which is typical, and that is the same thing that I've measured when I've done a similar project in Thailand. Of course, in Thailand, the grasses were a little bit different. It was Bermuda grass, zoysia grass, and seashore paspalum on the greens there. And I have a large data set from these types of data collection 
uh, projects in multiple countries around the world that I've been doing since 2011, zoysia grass tends to be slow. And the reason why it tends to be slow is because the stiff leaf blades don't allow for the ball to roll out the same way it does with Bermuda grass or with bent grass. In order to get a really good ball roll on zoysia greens, you need to do more work than you need to do on Bermuda to get the same type of speed. In fact, the first year that we measured these data back in 2013, the green speed was just over nine feet for the tournament with a double cut and a roll every day. In more recent years, the speed's been a little bit faster. And of course, if it, it is possible to get green speeds that are a little bit faster on zoysia. And you hear sometimes about zoysia greens being 13 feet. In fact, Frank Rossi mentioned it uh, on his podcast when he was talking with guest Brian Schwartz uh, of a couple months ago, I think. And I wrote to Frank because Frank said, yeah, it was February in Orlando. And, and I said, Frank, when, when you only have to mow the grass one time a week because it's basically dormant because it's winter, that doesn't really count. The, the green speed of dormant grasses that are still getting a bit of mowing and rolling that it's normal for the green speed of dormant grasses to be 11 12 13 feet but in the summertime and i'm measuring the summertime weather conditions here i just in fact i was just out measuring it because the humidity was so high at uh at about 3.30 this afternoon, the air temperature was 31 degrees Celsius and the humidity was 77% and the heat index was about 41 degrees Celsius. That is, uh, it's very humid. And so when it's humid and hot like that, the zoysia grass is definitely not dormant. It is actively growing. And when it is actively growing and you're getting a lot of clipping volume, those leaf blades are causing a lot of impediment to the golf ball rolling out. So I've been very interested to see um, what type of work can be done to improve the green speed and to improve the quality of the ball roll. So I'm, I'm interested in, in so many things related to that. And I'm going to be sharing a lot of that this week, which is why I wanted to rush and get this ATC double cut recorded and shared. So some of you can watch or listen to this and hear me announce that I'm going to be trying to share a lot of information on Twitter or now it's called X or shitter. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you put a X I T T E R, it, it could be pronounced like that. Um, you also can expect to see some videos on my ATC YouTube channel. So I will put some videos, some short videos, and perhaps some longer videos of the maintenance work that's done this week and of the grasses and the observations that I make about that. And, uh, I am looking forward. I, I, I can't promise exactly how much I will be able to share, um, how productive I can be in producing a lot of material and content, but I do know that in the mornings I will be collecting data 
And after the rounds are completed, I will be collecting more data. And in the middle of the day, I can't really be out on the golf course because there are golfers playing because it's a tournament. So I may have some time to put a few videos together or record some more double cuts or share some informative threads on Twitter because there are interesting things done here that you may have heard about or you may have read about on the ATC website and I like to try to explain them again and again and again because I continue to learn from them and I would like to explain it to you so you can decide if it is possibly applicable for your facility. One of the things that I've learned here, and it's related to these zoysia greens that I mentioned, is it's possible to have firm surfaces and surfaces that can still support a mower. The mower doesn't sink in and scalp. The bed knife doesn't sink into the turf canopy and scalp, even with infrequent top dressing and not as much sand top dressing as you might expect uh, as, as normal. In a, I believe it's a 2019 article in the USGA green section record. The standard recommendation was given as 25. This is the annual amount of sand that's supposed to be applied to modern putting greens from 25 to 35 cubic feet per thousand square feet. In the units that I prefer, which is depth of sand, that is something like seven millimeters up to 11 millimeters of sand on an annual basis. That's how much you're supposed to apply. Back when Andrew McDaniel started as the golf course superintendent here in 2013, I was also advising him to put more sand and I wanted him to put as much sand as possible. There were reasons for doing that back in 2013, 2014, 2015, where at that time I wanted him to put more sand. I recommended that he put more sand, but he noticed that because of the stiffness of the leaf blades, that the sand just doesn't work into the soil. It doesn't work down to the base of the grass plant like it does with bent grass or ultra dwarf Bermuda grass. Of course, with those grasses, if you've ever managed those grasses and had a really tight leaf canopy where the leaves are really close together, it can be difficult to work sand into those species canopies also. But zoysia is a different animal because of the stiffness of the leaf blades the sand, if you put a, uh, like a dusting of sand, that sand sticks around for two or three weeks and it just doesn't work its way down. And you can try to verticut it in and it just spreads it around, but it, it doesn't go down by gravity the way it does with other grasses because the leaf blades are so stiff, they act kind of like a catapult to just keep catapulting the sand back up. So that was one reason why putting sand just didn't work so well. And it became very difficult to put sand frequently. And so over time, Andrew 
put less and less sand to where uh, by the time it was 2017, 2018, 2019, he was just doing two sand top dressings per year, putting down about 1.5 millimeters of sand. 1.5 millimeters of sand per year is one-fourth that is 25% of the minimum recommendation from that USGA green section record article in 2019. One fourth of the amount. The amount of sand being applied here was one fourth of the annual recommendation, the standard annual recommendation. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. We started documenting what was happening and really measuring carefully what was happening by using the total organic material test, the OM246 testing, which has been done here every year since 2017. Because I was concerned that if Andrew was only putting one-fourth of the minimum recommended, actually that's less, that's less than the, U, the minimum recommended by the USGA, that 1.5 millimeters is one-fourth of the minimum recommended by Rock Gaswa and Chaz Schmidt from their research that they did when they surveyed a lot of golf courses around the United States and found that on average, you should apply 20 cubic feet of sand per thousand square feet, or that works out to six millimeters of sand on an annual basis. They found that the courses that were applying that much sand had an acceptable organic matter level in the root zone. So based on based on that, they recommended to put at least six millimeters of sand. Here at Kea Golf Club in 2016, 17, 18, 19, it was just 1.5 millimeters of sand, which is one-fourth of that, about one-fifth, 20% of the minimum recommended by the USGA green section. So for me, that's... it's. It's just fascinating because what we found happened, the surfaces didn't get softer. The organic material went up a little bit, but it didn't change too much because guess what happens when you put less sand? You're able to put less nitrogen fertilizer because you don't need to grow the grass so much to deal with growing through the sand. So if you put, if you put less nitrogen, you can apply less sand. I'm not sure which comes first putting less nitrogen or putting less sand, or if putting less sand allows you to put less nitrogen. But whatever, things did not get out of control in the soil. Not so much. But they have been gradually increasing. And in fact, they, they gradually increased so much that by 2022 and by spring of 2023, the average organic material in these greens, I'll, I'll share the exact number later in this week, but I think it was somewhere around 16 to 17% in the top two centimeters. That's, that's quite high. And that, that is above average. And so I recommended to Andrew, could you try to bring this back down to somewhere around 12%? I, I thought that would be a better number to try to work from in managing to have good playing conditions and and conditions that could have the type of firmness that we're looking for 
during professional golf tournaments. So uh, this year, this year, there has been an extraordinary amount of sand applied here at Kea Golf Club, 2.7 millimeters. That is almost double the amount that it has been typical to apply here. So they've almost doubled the amount of sand. And that was applied in two events, once in July, once in June this year. So two top dressing events. The total has been 2.7 millimeters. But keep in mind that's still less than half the amount that's recommended as a minimum by the USGA green section. So it's still quite uh, a different kind of maintenance. And I think it's so fascinating to have a different kind of grass and a different kind of maintenance and to be able to measure what happens with the playing conditions and measure what happens with, for example, the soil water holding content. And I will be measuring the volumetric water content with that this week with, with my TDR 350. So, um, I, I mean, I guess another thing that might be interesting if you're, um, if you are watching or listening to this from the United States, it's, it's common sometimes to have zoysia in tees and fairways in the U S but less common to have zoysia in roughs for some reason. Uh, whereas in Japan, it's, it's common to have tees and fairways and roughs that are all zoysia. And in the case of Kea golf club here, which I'm showing a picture of that now, this is the downhill 12th hole. The greens are also zoysia. So it's, it's interesting to see what zoysia rough is like. And I believe the mowing height right now at the start of the tournament week is 80 millimeters. That is just over three inches. Three inches would be 75 millimeters. So I think the last cut in the rough will be at the start of the week during the practice rounds. Um, I, it's, I think it was cut a little bit today. Maybe it will be finished cutting uh, at, at the start of the week, uh, just over three inches. And then that will grow up a little bit over the course of the week. And we can take a look at what that rough looks like. So I think for the grass types here and for the playability and just the, uh, the way that golf courses are maintained in Japan, it is, it is quite an interesting golf tournament. I am so interested in learning about it myself and sharing some of that information with you. So um, I hope that some of you will be interested in this. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about a lot of numbers, about things like the green speed in the morning and then the green speed in the afternoon. And because we know what the clipping volume is, we can check if how, how much that changes depending on how much the grass is growing. I would expect if the grass is growing more rapidly, there may be more of a decline in green speed from morning to afternoon. Or maybe you think that the green speed increases from morning to afternoon. We can check if that happens. I've also mentioned how when it doesn't rain, you can check the hourly evapotranspiration through the day, and then you can measure the soil water content at a starting time and then you can measure the volumetric water content, the soil water content at a second time in the day. You can look at the accumulated evapotranspiration that has happened during that time 
compare that to the change in soil water content. And from that, you can calculate a site-specific crop coefficient. And you can expect that the crop coefficient, the in-field at your facility crop coefficient may be different depending on whether the site is in full sun or whether it is a shaded area. So I may play around with that a little bit this week. And I'm also interested in the firmness measurements, which I will measure with a clay hammer. Because when that 2.7 millimeters of sand was put down, sand itself doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to be firm. And that sand was put down together with core cultivation and a deep tine cultivation. That happened in June, two months ago. Um, it'll be a, maybe that's going to be like nine weeks or 10 weeks before the tournament when that cultivation was done. But that when you cultivate the soil, you decompact the soil. You make the soil a lot looser. And I'm interested to see if over the past two months, if the surfaces have firmed back up again to be suitable for tournament conditions. So I, I am curious about that. And in fact, as soon as I finish recording this, I am going to grab those tools behind me and go out and make some measurements to get started for the first time this week. So you can find a link to this blog post. You can find that on my, um, uh, in the show notes and in the video description, you will, you will find a link to this blog post and I hope you will follow along on Twitter. You will find a link to that in the show notes. Also follow along on Twitter this week, follow along on my YouTube channel, and I will share information about this and some of the interesting things about professional tournament golf on a grass that is very uncommon for professional tournament golf. You will be able to learn some things together with me this week. All right. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, for your interest in these topics. I will sign off now for ATC from Kea Golf Club. I am Michael Woods.